All right. Good evening. It is bourbonblog.com live here, and we're very excited today to have with us Jason Luttrell. He's the host of the Luttrell Show podcast. He's also a systems and operations consultant and also a hospitality, beverage, and cocktail consultant across the globe. We had such a good time chatting last week on the uh, Derby Day uh, at home. I wanted to bring it back on, Jason. How's it going tonight? Uh, it's really well, Tom. Thank you for having me on again. Oh no, it's 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 great to have you on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour a whiskey. Do you, do you are you are you having a whiskey? Um, I have a extremely young cognac with me right now, actually. Extremely young cognac? <laughs> no, it's a it's a extremely young brandy. Oh, I see. <laughs> is that in other words, is it wine? It's yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's pre-processed brandy, right? I now. thought it yeah. might. I thought it might be. That's the, that was like I'm pretty sure that's what he means. So we talked the other day. This was such a good conversation we had. And for those of you that didn't get a chance to see it, we did Derby Day. It was uh, the six-hour sprint, and it's bourbonblong.com forward slash Derby Day if you want to watch it again. And Jason's in that six hours someplace. You can find him. Uh, but for, for now, we talked about, you know, what 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 are your thoughts? I mean, we're, we're looking towards uh, reopening bars, restaurants, let's just like kind of hear what's your state of, uh, we call it the state of the union, right? What's 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 going to be like for the bartenders, for the restaurants, and what kind of questions are you getting asked by clients, and, and what are your thoughts? Just start um, well, we try to be, um, I mean, we get these guidelines every day. They change all the time from the governor, from the city of New York. I'm based in New York, so. Right. Um, and we get different kind of guidelines, guidelines all the time. Uh, we have some great organizations like the uh, New York City Hospitality Alliance that are actively uh, lobbying on our behalves. Um, and we, you know, there's no crystal ball here. We don't know, really know what's going to happen, but I do strongly believe that it's going to be entirely limited by what uh, consumer confidence is going to be. Um, people aren't really comfortable. I'm not comfortable bringing my son out to a restaurant right now. And it, that's going to be probably for a while because I think that we're being a little bit um, hasty into uh, re-engaging in public activities. Um, and I think that we're going to see another spike. And, you know, I just think that we're kind of generally as a society being a little bit irresponsible about it right now. Um, but, uh, you know, early estimates are, you know, end of this month, later estimates, I think more realistic things are probably towards the end of the year. It's not, you know, it, I'm, you know, you can't rush these kind of things. It's a virus. They don't care about demographics. They don't care about religion. They don't care about economics. Um, they will infect, they, they're bugs, they infect people. And so I just think that we, you know, we'd be wiser, um, even at the cost, um, of, you know, what we're seeing in, in a lot of businesses closing forever. Um, that uh, I think the smart thing to do for the longevity of our industry is to be patient um, as, as much as that sucks and as much as that hurts. Part of, and I, I agree, uh, patience is so important here. I think part of what we were talking about uh, the other day also was how much, uh, whether it's bartenders, restaurants, distilleries, how everyone has taken this opportunity to market themselves differently and to um, play a different role and to, uh, to communicate with their customers. Um, any advice for, uh, you know, for those of us that are, you know, myself included, that are continuing to find ways to uh, put themselves out there on social media and, um, and what can they do? Um, I think that, um, I think that we are, 
at this golden age right now where we have the most powerful computers in our pockets and we take them very much for granted. They have two cameras on them all the time. They have more computing <laughs> power than, than uh, the, the, the computing power that put us on the moon the first time. Um, and if you want to engage in social media strategies for your bars, your brands, your businesses, whatever it is, um, I think it's, it's just extremely important to just to be authentic and just to tell the truth, your truth, um, and, uh, and explain what's going on. And people will kind of genu uh, generate a personal relationship with you through social media and through kind of, uh, I think people definitely underestimate email. Um, but, uh, you know, don't clutter people's inboxes with noise um, and because there's a ton of noise out there. Um, I, speaking of that, I, I mean, uh, it's not noise, but I don't know how you did a six hour broadcast. I mean, I have a <laughs> podcast and I, and, I, and I try to get one person on for a phone or once a week we and that's difficult in itself. Well, it was, it was a good time and, and I was proud to have you as part of it. Uh, we put it together pretty quickly deciding that, uh, we needed to have some way of, um, celebrating the horse races and also the industry. And, and one of the great parts of it was my conversation with you and also a round table which I'm going to post at some point with um, Anthony Caparelli and Pamela Wisnitzer, Miss Frankie, uh, uh, was, everyone there. Chris, that was great. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Robert Haynes. Uh, mm -hmm. RHP. Everybody, yeah. yeah. And so we're going to have that up. I Probably more of those and the conversations like we're having because I think they're so important. What is, um, so thank you for that. What is not being, what do you think is not being talked about in hospitality right now that needs to be, for well, just let's start with hospitality um, and for restaurants, bars, hotels. Um, I think that we were. I think that none of us were prepared, and I don't think any of us could have really possibly been prepared for the the fragility of our industry. Um, and I think that we really need to double down on um, diversifying our income streams, and that goes for service and hospitality workers in general. Uh, we've always been really good at having multiple jobs. We've always been really good at working 12 hour shifts. We've always been really good at making decisions under pressure and kind of making lemon, lemonade out of lemons. And um, I think now is the opportunity to kind of channel that creativity into that creativity and grit into something that, um, you know, that maybe, um, you know, something in our past that we were interested in. Um, because, you know, uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. Um, we don't know how long people are going to be uh, not comfortable going to bars or restaurants. Um, you know, if, you know, everything that we do revolves around serving other people and being in very close contact. Um, so, I mean, you're, we're seeing a lot of creative ideas in the world of sanitation for sure. Um, but I, but I think that, um, these are kind of not really responsive to the underlying problem, which is, um, we are a very entrepreneurial breed. Uh, and we are, we are people who, um, who show up to work for as, uh, to get paid as little as legally allowed. And, um, and we, you know, if we don't work, you don't eat. Um, so like, I would, th I would think that now would be the time when we take out the Ikigai chart and find out, um, what the world needs, what we love doing, um, what we're good at and finding the, the sweet spot that is, that the world needs that we do, um, and learning everything that there is to know about that using the free and abundant resources available to us. Like uh, everything that is knowable can be found on the internet. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's time to start, you know, learning how to engage media. And uh, I mean, you figured this out a while ago. I mean, people are, you know, people are desperate for a story. They, they, uh, everybody loves a good story. So why not tell the story that engages what you do individually 
And um, I think that that's a, just a huge opportunity right now. And again, like I, you know, I'm trying, I don't want to be insensitive to people's situations because some people are in very desperate situations right now. Um, but the, the money is going to run out and we have to you know, figure out a way to diversify. And there's, and we're building a platform called Hospi um, that is, uh, you know, hopefully going to help um, at least inspire people to figure out the class they took when they were in college or, or, or um, the hobby that they had uh, 10 years ago that they can turn into a business for themselves because um, the barrier to entry to beginning to starting a business isn't nearly what people think it is. You know, you, it can be the information in your head that you, um, as a knowledge broker, share with other people and, and enrich their lives and create value for them. And, you know, you don't have to have an LLC. You don't have to have an S corp. You don't have to be a publicly traded corporation. You don't have to have a lot of money. Uh, you can use that computer that's in your pocket uh, and develop things that are, that create value for other people. And, you know, I just uh, like, we just, let's just channel that creativity. So, so Hospi is, is Hospi out yet? Is it coming soon then or is it? Yeah, we um... have kind of, we have a landing page. So you go to meethospi.com, M-E-E-T-H-O-S-P-Y.com. And you'll see kind of what the mission is, what we're trying to build. And it's basically a media platform that is, uh, that we're going to be using, um, you know, uh, our peers in the hospitality industry to, um, to, to help us build this, this media platform, uh, which mm -hmm. is in turn going to uh, share how to, um, do specific things like turn your, your craft into a Shopify store or wow. um, how to, how to get on Etsy or, um, how to, um, like really, really niche down and get very specific and put up a profile on Fiverr or put a pro profile on Upwork until you build your own, your own brand. Um, you know, really, um, you know, people think have this kind of negative shine on, um, on personal branding, but, uh, it really is, you know, when you take the, quote unquote influencer, um, the modern meaning of it out of it, it's really what we've been doing for the, for our entire lives. I mean, people have anybody with any kind of ambition who's ever stepped behind a bar, um, has, been, has, has been developing their personal brand. Uh, you right. represent yourself in a certain way. Um, and people want to, um, people don't buy things and they don't buy services as much as they buy the people that provide them. And they want to know that they're getting a reliable person. They want to know that they're, that the person is, um, you know, sometimes technically savvy. I mean, people hire me because I know how to put systems and, and, and operations together for people. Um, but they understand that because I can, you know, put a podcast together right. and, you know, these are nothing but systems and processes that, uh, that allow you to get from point A to point B. So if I were to offer one single piece of advice to people, it's, um, document your process and in, in creating something, whatever it is. You know, even getting up in the morning, like what your what is your process for getting up in the morning? And, document that, right? Yeah, document. and having and from and from what um, from what I heard, so and I'm sure so many people already do, but uh, just having some kind of routine. You know, when I was talking with a lot of friends in, hosp in hospitality when they started, just you know, just and and, and artists, bartenders, servers, having a routine every day and having something that we're putting forward out there, just like this show to. Um, to keep the word going and to keep our brands going is, is mm -hmm. so important. Now the Hospi is, so it's there for, it's a resource people can learn. Does it, does it cost anything? How does it, 
how does it how, how does it work? No, in fact, it's um, in fact, it's uh, like the intention is to be a profit neutral uh, organization. Uh, there's a, a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through and a bunch of scrutiny that you have to do to be a not for profit organization. Ask the USBG, right. um, and uh, <laughs> we're just sidestepping all that and just doing a traditional for profit model, except for we're just not taking any money. Indeed, what we're doing with the money that does come in from either grants or loans or whatever it is is going to be used to employ people to help us build the platform, and so kind of create this reverse pyramid where we are putting all the money back into the ecosystem into our specific e ecosystem rather than um you know trying to appease our shareholders or whatever but uh, the idea is, is that we have a unique value proposition in the fact that we are very hospitality centric uh we we have create we, we can creatively offer solutions and um i think that there's a market for that in the global global gig economy absolutely and again tell me again it's meethospy.com yeah meethospy.com is is our landing page um, we were actually uh, honored to be um, a finalist in the U.S. Uh, like for, the, um, for the for uh, the Tahona Society. Um, so we're uh, Chris Bead, Chris Bidmead is my partner, and he's leading it up. It's H O S P Y, if you don't mind. Oh, <laughs> and here I am. This is what I get for filling things. All right. It's, it's no, we should we should there. probably scoop up that domain. Oh, no, please too, let but. me. There we go. That's the beauty of, of being alive. There yeah, it is. Yeah. I know I've been on this before. You sent me the link. Uh, Hospi, meethospi.com. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's the one. And then, and then share this, like this, uh, as you're watching this, share it with your friends in hospitality, because this can really be great. We're, it's a really good resource. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're excited to see where it goes. Uh, you know, there's, uh, if you've followed me on Facebook, you've noticed that I've kind of been asking some kind of pointed questions about like, what are you an expert in? Uh, right. We got a lot of responses for like, what are you an expert in? Uh, some silly ones, <laughs> um, uh, but mostly, uh, mostly people that are just like, I'm, I'm an expert at um, creating um, tack welds uh, for putting this specific things together. And, and, you know, that's a post COVID thing because you need equipment, you need a workshop, but um, you know, hopefully it's sparking ideas and people to engage these, you know, secondary tertiary skills that they didn't, you know, remember that they had. And that's kind of what the intention, that's what the mission is. Cause we, like, like if you reverse, like what we've done is like we, we reverse engineered the, the whole we've, t we've documented every element that goes into opening up a bar. And, uh, wow. it's not just juicing. It's not just, um, you know, making syrups and it's not just keeping your tools clean. There's a lot of things that go into it. There's budgeting, there's uh, spreadsheet knowledge. There's, um, you know, knowing how to put up a website. There's, um, just even basic social media savvy. If you go right. on fiverr.com, F I V E R R.com, uh, you'll see that, that people monetize those skills. And, um, you know, there's, you know, you see a lot of people that just basically give it away for like five bucks for something like that. But then there's also a, a lot of other people who specifically charge top of market for it. And that's kind of what we're going to try to train people to do, which is to, um, swing for the fences on your fees, because, you know, we have a, we have an association with a high cost being a high benefit. Um, that's not always the case. Um, but you know, we want to teach people how to market themselves in, in a non smarmy, meaningful way. Right. Yeah, this is a great thing you're doing. Um, and again, meet Hospy, H-O-S-P-Y.com. If anybody has any questions, Adam Sanchez, thanks for watching. And all the other great folks watching us on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, definitely ask Jason Luttrell. He'll be with us for a little while here this evening chatting. And I think a lot of these people watching you uh, know what you do. But, uh, you know, for those of you that those people that don't tell us about you and, and really just a little bit about your background and, and how you got into all this. Oh, well, thank you. Um, uh, 
you know, I, I used to say that I didn't really know what it is that I do. Um, but this, <laughs> I but this is, sometimes. yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to like when right. you, um, you know, and this is something that we're going to, you know, be offering in the form of advice is that, right. uh, the riches are in niches. Um, so I've, I've taken this opportunity in, um, you know, with, in the, in the, current COVID economy to just kind of get very specific about what it is that I do. And I love building systems and processes. I love automation. I love um, helping businesses become the businesses that they should be by uh, not getting bogged down with dumb things that just don't matter. So, um, you know, people hire me to dig through their, uh, not dig through their emails, but like set up filters on their email box. So they're only getting the important things uh, to set up a Trello and Slack automation. So they're not, you know, uh, spending a lot of time on things that they're just not good at or that they shouldn't do. I, I show them how to outsource um, right. to people who should be editing their videos for them. And it's, you know, the, the, the fundamental truth is, is like for the, especially for like the solopreneur or for the, um, for the, for the um, smaller companies, like you just can't do everything. And um, it's important that you understand how to engage all the resources that are available to you. Um, and it doesn't really necessarily take a lot of money. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, if you're using money as a tool, if you're using credit as a tool, you can um, expand on on your core capabilities um, just with the vision that you have and you can figure out the rest or, you know, make sure that somebody else is doing it and keeping them accountable. So I develop systems that are, that are you know, typically I, I, I've been banging the drum of Trello and, and basic project management for, for years now. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I feel like I've gotten it to kind of a, a, a almost a level of a sport of, of trying to make things quicker and faster for people so they don't pay so they don't spend any emotional or physical energy on things that don't matter for their business that don't move the bottom line um so you know my you know i i love working with um i love with working with my clients because you know i basically get paid to learn new things on how to help them and so i'm working with a catering company right now and and um you know everybody's getting ready uh, everybody's you know like you know, funneling all this energy into the the um, looming reopening, hopefully that's soon, um, into, you know, reevaluating what it is they, that they do and learning how to do that as efficiently as possible. Because, um, you know, if, you know, hopefully, you know, there's going to be an army of my clients out there and that are just going to be crushing the competition who are right, still writing things on the back of napkins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, That's cool. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's, uh, but I started off as a bartender. Uh, you know, my, my heart and my mind, I still identify as a bartender. And I was, before I, I started my company in September of 2010. And, um, and before that, I was a bartender behind the bar for 10 years. And I worked, worked my way up from washing dishes and busting tables to, um, you know, working at a dive bar full-time Monday through Friday from 10 to six. <laughs> and, and it was like a dump. And I'm talking about like a dump dump. Uh, I mean, like literally a, it was a dump. I had, I had one guest who actually went down, plopped a $20 bill on the bar, would drink butt heavies until he couldn't afford it anymore. The remainder was my tip. Um, and then I found out pretty quickly that he was like this shell shocked vet. Um, and, uh, he would not get out of his bar stool to pee. Um, so, um, so I kind of learned, you know, a lot, a lot of interesting things about the bar in that time. And I just got more and more involved and more and more engaged in it and, um, eventually moved to New York to play drums. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, got a job and finally got a job behind a bar. I had to lie on my resume because you, it's a catch 22 in New York. You can't get a job unless you already have a job. Um, and, uh, just kind of work my way up from place to place. And, um, you know, um, 
you know, some, you know, I found people along the way that kind of believed in me and, and just gave me a platform to um, hopefully make them look better. And, uh, you know, through the years, uh, like I was, you know, really arrogant for, for several years. Um, you know, I thought I was way cooler than I really was. Um, and then, uh, you know, finally got a big break at this place right here. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, is, uh, I, I have a very charmed story behind the bar. I got to yes. work with a lot of really, really amazing people. And, and, uh, um, that part I'm, I'm proud to say that I don't really take for granted. Right. And that place on your shirt, uh, get, most people probably see it there, but that's De death and company. You were there for, uh, for about how long? Uh, about two and a half years. Uh, in retrospect, honestly, I wish I spent a little bit more time there. I had so much more to learn. Uh, and this is another piece of advice that I would probably give to people is that, um, you know, if you still have the opportunity to learn, uh, then, uh, then, you know, hold your horses a little bit, maybe stick around and be a little bit more patient because I feel like I left too early for sure. Um, I had so much more to learn, um, because I, I left because I had an opportunity. I've, I've always been entrepreneurial, uh, but somebody came up and offered me a job and, uh, and I took it and I did that at the same time while I was working, but that's when I started my company and, you know, people started hiring me to produce events for them and, and make cocktails for them. Um, but it was a lot of ready, fire, aim situations. Um, you know, I, I'm never, I've never shied away from a challenge. Um, but it was a lot harder than it really had to be. Um, then because, uh, um, because I, I, I left a little green. So it's uh, it's one of those things where like, entre like the, the, the soul of entrepreneurship and the soul of hustling is always adapting and always learning and uh, always pivoting. I mean, you're always changing and you're always growing. Uh, otherwise it's like, it's like a very, like, uh, entrepreneurship is like kind of, um, you know, what you see on the outside is kind of a reflection of what's happening on the inside. And, and, um, you know, you're constantly, uh, being forced to evolve. I mean, your job is literally to get a job. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, you, you, yes. you run an events business, right? Right. Yes. No, if this is, uh, everything you're saying is so helpful, Jason. And again, it's, uh, Jason Luttrell, any questions you will have, um, below at youtube facebook uh twitter tweet back ask us uh, it's really great to have you all and again we do this uh every uh every night we try to have a great uh conversation whether whether it's whiskey or someone in the industry uh we do this every night 8 p.m eastern time on bourbon blog forward slash live so uh definitely join us like this share this uh we like to get the word out and i think what you're saying jason uh on you know redefining ourselves no matter what we do um especially those who are out of work in hospitality, but I think it even goes further. Um, you know, re it really transcends, uh, you know, the questions you're asking. The process you're taking people through right now, um, defining what you're an expert in, can you walk us through that pro a little bit of that process so that we can kind of go through that in our heads and, and get an idea? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy process. It's a very difficult process. It requires a lot of discipline, but it means just taking a complete inventory. Um, uh, it means taking a complete inventory of what the things that you like to do, the things that you want to do, the things that are important, uh, the things that are valuable. Um, and regardless of what I say after this, um, if you do that kind of, if you kind of do that, if you do the diligence of that kind of introspection and find out what it is and what you can offer the world, there's, um, after the, if everything goes back to normal tomorrow, you will become more valuable to your employers then. 
Um, uh, but you know, there's all kinds of advantages to employing yourself and there's all kinds of disadvantages too, but, um, you know, it's really is for me about self-determination, um, and just me deciding what's going to happen. Um, because, you know, like we found out now, um, I've got, I, I've got a ton of work right now not all of it's paying. I'll just go ahead and th throw that out there. But, um, you know, because of the, you know, because we've been hit by this, um, you know, I'm forced to figure out new ideas. And, and sometimes like what I do is that I basically come up with an idea. I write it down and I say, Hey, are you interested in this idea too? Um, and, um, a lot of it is get, uh, a lot of the ideas that I come up with and a lot of the things I pitch, uh, are revolving around how to engage with people and, um, how to get to people where they are right now, which is on their cell phones. They're looking at screens and, um, and that's where the value is. So if I were to, if I were to say, Hey, if you're doing your inventory, find out where the market is. Um, and the market is, you know, typically on a screen. So you got that phone in your pocket or you're looking at it right now. There's a camera pointing at you. Um, you know, what, what if you were to share something that was completely relevant that you're an expert in and, um, you know, the, the universe will find you, uh, just by the sheer numbers, people will find you. Um, and, uh, you know, if you had something to sell, like if you were to say, start a course, an online course that, uh, that just drove and drilled down specifically on that one very specific thing, um, just imagine how many people in the world would be interested in doing that. And, um, and so that's kind of part of what I'm looking at right now. Um, I love sharing what I've learned. Um, please find me on the internet at Jason Luttrell. Um, and, uh, and it's, if you become this kind of knowledge broker, and this is a, this is a term that was made famous by Tony Robbins with, uh, with their latest program, but, um, I've kind of adopted it for, for what is convenient for us. Like I don't have the you know, two thousand dollars to spend on Tony Robbins's course, but with, but the general idea is is that um, you know you can get paid to learn, and so that's kind of what I'm what I'm really interested in is is um, I'll I mean if you go to if you go to my website, find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Like I'll tell I'll tell you everything I know for free, um, and uh, and that's still not as valuable as hiring me to go and and work with you to uh, help you develop your own program. So by teaching right. people, I'm actually learning how to do things myself. And, and, um, by when people ask me questions and when, uh, I learn unique, so, unique solutions to, to problems that I didn't even think of. So it's this kind of engagement it's this kind of sharing of knowledge that, um, makes you 100% more valuable. And, um, and I just, I just wish people would, would, you know, get out there and just say, this is what I'm an expert in. This is what I do. And I can also do this and I can also do this, but this is what I'm an expert in. And, um, there's not like, there's typically not a lot of other people that can, that can say that. So, uh, just take an inventory, find out what it is that you do and, and find out what, you, what is most valuable to you and, and, uh, and, and start from there. I think all, all of that is so important, Jason. And, um, as we ask ourselves that question, especially those of us in hospitality servers, whatever it's whatever it may be hotels bartenders mixologists um what do you think the hospitality market is going to look to those of us that say hey you know we're an expert in this what are they going to be needing now more than ever what, i mean what are those you know as as we refine that in our in our brains and we think about this skill set that we have that we're trying to refine what what are they going to be needing what are they going to be actually requiring that that we can help refine to figure out what is that expertise i should be sharing uh, in one word coding, uh, if you know how to code, you never have to look for a job again. 
Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and th this is another really big misconception with that people, that people have, if you want to be a medical doctor, if you want to do go perform surgery, you have to go to medical school. If you want to practice law in a law in, in a, um, in a court of law, you have to be a lawyer in most right. states, you have to go to law school and pass the bar. Some states, you don't, you don't actually don't even have to pass the bar, uh, go to law school to, to, to be a right. lawyer. There's like a couple of those, right. right. But, um, but the, but the brass tacks are, if you are able to perform a service, um, that, uh, that is very highly in demand, nobody's going to look at your, your resume. They're going to want they, they don't want the labor pain. They just want the baby. And so they're going to look at what, like your ability to solve this problem and they'll pay you what you want because chances are the value of what they can sell that, that solution for is dramatically higher than whatever you would ask for. And so if you're, what people are looking for right now is, is new ways to engage people on the internet and they're looking at AI solutions and they're looking at, um, you know, uh, you know, technology moves like a curve like this. And so it's, it's moving faster and faster exponentially. And, um, you know, if you look at five years ago and versus what's going to happen in five years, um, it's all going to be tech based. And so if you're able to, um, you know, participate on a meaningful level in, in telling computers what to do, um, then right. you are, you have a massive advantage. Now I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't do what you love. Um, but right. I'm saying that, that if you wanted a job today, if you wanted to get paid in the next hour, um, then you could find a coding job. And so, right. uh, you know, to that point, uh, if you have any kind of computer, uh, if you have, uh, like any kind of a laptop, um, then you can, and, and this is strictly for the efficiency of speed and being able to code. You can learn how to code from YouTube videos. You can learn how to code from grasshopper. You can learn how to code from all kinds of different things. And you do not have to go to MIT for that. Um, in fact, MIT gives free classes, Harvard gives free classes. And, uh, you know, if you, if you have that skill, that skill becomes marketable and you don't even have to spend a lot of time or money showing people. You just be like, write a Facebook post. I know how to code Java. I can, I can do Python. <laughs> you know, I can understand how to communicate with trade.io. I can automate things. I can, I can connect APIs. I can write, write JavaScript. Um, and these are extraordinarily marketable skills. I mean, for the, for our purposes, like what, what I what I find very interesting, what I love about our industry is that we have very, um, like strong analytical skills and we know how to, um, you know, work fatigued. We know how to like, um, make decisions in difficult situations when, uh, when our, our customers are acting like children. Um, and you know, these things are, are actually, you know, having a, a high tolerance for bullshit, in my opinion, is a, is a good skill. Uh, and I think that, um, that's kind of what we want to get out there with Hospi as well is that, um, is that, you know, we have a unique skill set and, and a unique tolerance to, um, uh, to, you know, guide people to the, to the right system, to the right solutions for their business. And, you know, people like me, I, I outsource people for specific problems all the time. I don't know how to code WordPress. So I hire somebody to do it for me. And I say, hey, here's a hundred bucks. Can you solve this problem for me? You know, whether it takes them an hour or a month, um, you know, actually that doesn't matter. I want them to, to do it now, but, um, but what takes them an hour would take me a month. And uh, right. what is my month worth? And so like there, th these outsourcing opportunities are all, all aggregated and all consolidated onto these global gig marketplaces like Fiverr and Upwork are the ones that I use the most. Um, and uh, there's also gigs on Craigslist. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all there. You know, we used, to, we used to think that you had to be this, like, um, official buttoned-up business and you had to go to B school to, to, to do anything. But no, like, the information is there. The equipment is there. 
Um, and the opportunity is there. It's all there. We just have to connect it and, and think in a non-traditional way about how to, um, how to get that for our community using the skills that, that most of us already have or that, you know, using the interest in, in, in the things that we want to do. That's, uh, that's so important. Question from uh, Muser Whiskey Reviews there on YouTube. Thank you for watching us. Uh, what coding do you recommend that newbies start with? Is it JavaScript? Which, where's the place you would start if they're going to start coding or learning coding? Um, I would start, um, I think it really is more in, more on a cerebral level, like how do you want to communicate with computers? Uh, I am not a coder. I'm not a, an expert. This doesn't particularly interest me. Um, but if you were looking from a, stri a stri uh, from a strictly marketable skills point of view, uh, there's many different languages, by the way. There's like C++, there's JavaScript. I'm sure like the the, the nerds out there are just being like, C nobody uses C++ anymore. Um, but um, but I, I don't know. I would look at and find the one that, that interests you. I know that um, most coders that um, that work on in, in the realm of coding, either websites or, or web apps or um, iOS or Android apps or whatever it is, they know multiple languages. Uh, but I think that the universal truth that they, that they understand is that um, that they are there to communicate how to communicate with people and like there's an interface and how, how to connect computers and, and people. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if that's a gross generalization. Um, well, that's all right. I, but uh, but I, but I you know when I look at you know I, I was looking at this and in, in, in doing research for Hospi and I was like like okay so these people are doing logo design for five bucks and right. these people are doing coding for a for a, uh, an Android app and they're charging 150 200 bucks an hour and that's probably on the low end um, but if you go to a full stack developer who's going to make a, a full web deployment for you Android iOS that's going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for a for a US based company. And, um, you know, if you look at that in, in that context, you know, people are trying to, to piecemeal out um, work from uh, for bigger projects. So either they're looking for a specialist, or they're looking for somebody to solve a relatively small problem that they don't have the bandwidth to solve themselves. Gotcha. So many great people watching. Uh, someone's recommending Python or JavaScript, a uh, good place to start Alfredo. Gamma Spirit Specialist for Wine Warehouse watching. Thank you, Alfredo, for watching uh, and continue to um, follow our conversation here and ask any questions for Jason Latrell below. So, you know, we talked we talked a little bit about uh, about hospitality. Um, how do you think this will affect? Uh, you know, we've looked at craft distilleries. There's there's studies out there that are showing there's going to be some craft distilleries that don't make it. We know the big guys uh, will get through, and and you know, people are buying more liquor, which liquors are they buying? Are they buying craft? Are they buying uh, the bigger guys? How, how will this affect craft distilleries? And for those that are, are parts of craft distilleries or that support craft distilleries, what can we expect and what's the best way that they can, um, you know, what advice do you have for them? Well, um, I, I'm not huge on um, on the craft distillery world, but we do have a show called The Industry Distilled, which uh, reads the news, basically. And we, we distill down the industry news. And, and what we've seen in the last five weeks of doing the show is that um, is that uh, people are like, yes, off-premise consumption is definitely up. People are drinking at home, obviously. 
um, and not drinking in bars and restaurants. Uh, takeout is doing okay. Um, it's typically not enough to support. There's going to be some consolidation there as far as people that are kind of doing the P&L for if, is it effective? Um, is it enough revenue to, to stay open? But as far as uh, like what they're, what they're shopping for from the information that I have, I, I can't give you a source here, um, is that people are kind of going for the industry stalwarts. They're going for the brands that they know. Um, and that's why the, uh, the crafted distilleries are kind of in a bit of trouble right now. And they can't, they can't just pivot into making hand sanitizer, which is incidentally, uh, hand sanitizer is actually not really incredibly effective. It's not proven to be more effective than hand soap. So uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a grand gesture, gesture for these distillers to start making alcohol for hand sanitizer. But, uh, but the rub is, is that hand sanitizer, like uh, you're, you're infectable again in about 30 minutes. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a tough time. Just for just hand sanitizer is what you're saying. Yeah, like you, you see these hand sanitizers that are marketed for like 70% alcohol or whatever, but right. that's the thing about alcohol is it evaporates. So um, that means that, that you can, uh, you know, pick up a bug if you touch it. Just don't touch your, just don't touch your face and you use hand uh, and wash your hands with soap, I think is the best advice that, from Dr. Fauci. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's, uh, un, you know, it's undeniable that uh, craft distillers are getting hit really hard. Um, and it's, and it's too bad because it's like right. the lifeblood of the industry. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's yes. what's exciting for bartenders to go out there and make things that are, that are really interesting and delicious. And, oh, yeah. uh, it's the risk takers out there that are happening in the small distilleries that, that are, um, really, you know, propelling the industry forward. So that is, and that's uh, everything you're saying is so important. Uh, that's industry distilled is the name of that podcast. Yeah, we do a fun show. It's kind we of do Jason like, Luttrell show and industry Dist distilled. Yeah, the Latrell show is my vanity project. That's why why people name shows after themselves. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's that's when I uh, that that show is my podcast. You can find it anywhere podcasts are are, are published. Right. Um, and that's when I kind of interview people that I that I either want to hire me or that I'm really really interested in. And so um, you know, it's uh, like I talk to like event producers. I talk to um, I just talked to Aaron Gregory Smith. Um, I talk to people. He's the head of the USBG, um, and uh, just talk to people who have questions for um and then industry distilled is kind of our cheeky little show where we you know drink drink wine out of bags and uh and read the industry news and kind of comment on it if you're familiar with the daily beans it's kind of loosely based on that but um you know it's it's just a fun show we we pack in a lot of dense headlines and uh and do a little bit of analysis on it um and it's strictly spirits industry news it's it's pretty fun and those can all be found right off of your website is that where they would be found um, industry oh distilled is on Facebook only right now. We are, we're spinning that into a podcast and we're right. <laughs> kind of making it look like a, no, a local, <laughs> local morning news show, which I think is hilarious. Right. Um, and my partner Elaine Duff, um, is, uh, uh, she handles all the, uh, all the scripting on that. So, um, and I handle all the tech parts, but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun show. I'm really, really excited about it. We go live on Thursdays at seven 30 Eastern, um, nice. on Facebook. And then that will be a, a, in a podcast, like probably starting next week. But we'll look for it on Facebook first and then look for the rest of these where the Jason Latrell show yeah. where podcasts are distributed. And uh, this is this is great. This is it's so nice to hear uh, your perspective and all the cool things you're doing. And I agree. I mean, the craft the craft distillers I'm talking to, I mean, so many of them, you know, know at some point this is not going to look so good. And I've heard some of the statistics from like the ACSA and other organizations. And while people are buying spirits even you know we had um wes anderson on the show a uh, founder of angels envy a few weeks ago and he said you know what i'm yeah great guy i want you know i want you to keep on buying angels envy but the best advice i can give you is buy something else because i know we're going to make it 
buy something else. And I think that is that's what the good people, the industry are echoing. Go buy the craft products. Go try something new. Right. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's yeah. really, really cool. That's that's yeah. really cool. I see. I love that about our industry is that we're yeah. so generous to um, kind of share it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's so um, great. That's that's so important. Uh, th no, this is so helpful. I think for everyone watching, so many great resources you're offering um, through uh, the uh, meat. Again, I want to put up all the websites here. <laughs> yeah, meat, meat hospital uh, um, with the Y, yeah, right? Yeah. Check that one out, and then if you just want to find uh, Jason Latrell, mm -hmm. uh, it's jlatrell.com. Two T's, two L's. And um, any other predictions, just general advice? I think everything you're saying is so important uh, that, that the, the hospitality, distilling, any of the industries that follow what we do can can be helped by? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really, really important to, to follow our local um... Our uh, our trade organizations, our, our our trade lobbies. Like I'm a big yeah. fan of the New York City Hospitality Alliance because they're the ones who are kind of putting the fight to Grubhub to keep their fees low, um, to making it like they have they they've introduced a bill that's um, to the city and I think maybe the state um, saying that you're going to get a fine if you try to bill your restaurants for an order that wasn't placed. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's all kinds of, um, there's all kinds of issues that they're fighting for. Um, the insurance issue is a huge deal right now. Um, people that are, um, getting denied their insurance claims because they have this, uh, COVID-19 or like some sort of like a, it's like a, I forget exactly what it is, but they're getting denied insurance claims, um, spuriously because they have, because of this, and this was not specifically covered. And sometimes, uh, so what they're fighting for is that even if it was specifically mentioned in your, in your insurance claim that you had to close because of insurance, uh, because of COVID-19, I'm sorry, I'm like woefully ignorant of, of the complexities of this particular issue, but, um, no, insurance, right. but insurance is a big deal because uh, a lot of people are making claims and, and not a lot of people are getting them. So, uh, you know, this is an issue that we can, um, take our fight to our local Congress people and our local state senators and say, Hey, listen, you know, like we, you know, we can, this is the right thing to do here. And, and we're not doing it. And what are you doing as my representative? And what, and, and how can you answer us as restaurant owners in our huge community of restaurant owners that, um, that also employ a number of a, a large number of people, um, so what are you specifically doing to help us with this particular issue? And if we start bringing the fight to our local governments, then it will become more important because we are a meaningful piece of their constituency. And I think right. it's, you know, I think it's really important that we exercise our voice when, when, um, when push comes to shove, because this isn't, you know, the stakes are really fucking high right now. And we yeah. have to make sure that people are, um, that we are, are being represented in, in, in government. And so it's our local trade organizations that like, uh, like my, my big one is the New York City Hospitality Alliance because I love what they're doing. They're 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 they have the ear of the government. They're on the panels. Oh, yeah. uh, they're on Cuomo's panels. They're on De Blasio's panels, and they're actually you know making meaningful change. And and that is as a core benefit of being a member of the of their organization. But um, you know there are a lot of ad hoc committees that are just trying to get people to say, hey, listen, if you live in this district, we need you to talk to this person, and we need you to call them once a day until you get a meeting. And right. what's interesting right now is that they're surprisingly accessible. I mean, you can book a 10 minute meeting with your, um, with your representative because there's no, you don't have to go down to the state house. You don't have to go down to the, to the city hall. Uh, you just, they send you a link and, uh, and you can get 10 minutes and you can get the ear of somebody with relatively little effort. Um, and so like, let's take advantage of that and let's tell them what we want. Like, let's tell them how to do their job because that's what they, that's what we elected them to do. 
Um, and that doesn't just go for insurance. That, that goes for everything. And this isn't activism. This is just like, this is what our civil duty is. Right. We are, our, our, our job is to keep our, our elected officials accountable. And, and, uh, you know, I just wish we would take that a little bit more seriously. Oh sometimes. yeah. So the represent, so you're hearing the representatives are, are a lot more, you're able to see them right now, especially on a zoom call or something than you typically would be. That's really helpful to know. It's never been easier. It's never right. been easier. And, and, uh, you know, I haven't done this myself, but I've been told that, that my local representation is in Poughkeepsie, New York. I live a, a little bit upstate. Right. Um, and, uh, they'll schedule you a 10, 15 minute zoom call for you if you ask for it, because they're at home too. And they just and look at their calendar. And helps them have the perspective. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's incredibly and, important. And they still have, they still have assistants that, that help them do this stuff. And they listen in. And, and they're the ones who are actually making the decisions. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, let's just get involved. It's, it, uh, you know, if, we, if we're a little bit disciplined about it, I mean, it doesn't take that much effort. Right. That's so important. Well, for a gentleman that's, uh, that's been a part of, uh, as you said, getting your start in... Um, in dive bars and all the way to death and company, uh, just, you know, some of the, the best places you've been around the best places, the best people, uh, as you, you know, look forward though, though it's, it's hard to make predictions, right. Um, as far as when it'll happen, but as, as bars, restaurants are reopened, as hospitality reopens, what, what do you visualize it looking like? What, what do you think we're going to see that we might not expect? And, um, and how can we be the best part of that as 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 consumers um, for the consumers watching to um, to support it? You know, what what can we look forward to? Um, hmm. uh, I have an opinion. I have a I have a speculation that is not very popular. Um, but I think that um, I think that, you know, this and this isn't what I want. Uh, but I think that that we're going to see a lot of consolidation in the form of ghost kitchens um, and uh, automation. And I think that we're, we're, we're like a lot of elements of, of the steps of service are going to be rendered obsolete to a lot of different people, um, especially in very densely urban places. Um, you know, again, I don't think that I don't want this to happen. Um, but I also think that, uh, that will yield an opportunity for independent hustlers to, to uh, create new service offerings and to create new opportunities for themselves. Like I'm really hoping that, uh, this cocktail delivery system is going to stay on the books and that we're able to deliver, yes. uh, composed beverages because, um, and flights of whiskey, um, and you know, whatever experience, uh, whatever alcoholic experience that you were able to get at home, which has been stifled by kind of really silly rules, um, you know, that, that are really kind of ineffective anyways. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's not like people are going to, um, sample a flight of, 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 you know, Northern Kentucky bourbons and then go drive in a car to go somewhere else. They've already had the experience. Um, right. and so like, we're, I'm hoping that, that this will yield opportunities and maybe get us a couple of years closer to what China has been doing for the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. and they've been delivering cocktails for a while. They've been delivering uh, these composed, beautiful experiences. Um, it's for at, at home consumption and, um, you know, people look forward to it. They make it, they make a date out of it and they make, um, you know, these, uh, you know, they make vases out of the bottles that they come in. Like we just had, uh, we just ordered, um, a couple of Mai Tais, uh, last week from this place called Fuchsia Tiki Bar. And if they were able to deliver that, um, you know, that's would be, you know, it wasn't cheap, but it was awesome. It was awesome as far as, uh, convenience. And we were able to have that, um, that 
classic co- the tiki cocktail bar experience they delivered wow. like these paper straws they delivered like <laughs> dried fruit uh, garnishes nice it was really well thought out it was really well done and, and um you know it wasn't the same thing as same experience as being there but um you know they didn't have a you know the only thing better than that would have been if they set up in our backyard but then then we would have to wait for them to break down <laughs> so we'll so we'll just take the cocktails. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that uh, hopefully, you know, for people like me, uh, I mean, that's kind of how I built my business in the beginning was I was an events company. And so like we would build these incredible ornate complex cocktail experiences at like, you know, Tribeca Film Festival or New York Wine and Food Festival or the US Open or, um, you know, the Diamond Ball, whatever it was. And, uh, and that's how I made a living. But I think that um, if we kind of democratize that experience and make it in on a much smaller scale on a much broader um, range, then people will, will gain an appetite for that. And, uh, and I'm hoping that uh, that will kind of create some opportunities for some independent hustlers to say, hey, listen, I have a craft cocktail company and, um, and uh, these are our, these are we'll bring a keg to your house and we'll fill up our glasses and then we'll come by and pick them up the next day or whatever it nice. is. Um, you know, there's there's a world of opportunity for people who are, are creative. And, uh, you know, again, you don't have to have a business degree. You don't have to have a you know, there may be some licensing issues. But um, other than that, I mean, it's it's just a problem. And, and you know all we do as businesses is solve problems. Right. No, I, I do hope some of those things um, continue to stay as part of what's the norm and on the books. I think they are so important uh, for options and, and to give um, you know people the chance to try something unique and to give someone new the chance to deliver cocktails. So that's great. Well, this is, this is great, Jason. I really appreciate you joining us. Once again, I think it's uh, important to um, to look at what's happening in the industry uh, for, for all of those, you know, the consumers that watch us and also those in the industry that watch us. And again, uh, best place to go, uh, jlatrell.com and make sure you check out his uh, project there, meethospy.com. And the next time we do one of these roundtables like we did just a little over a week ago, we'll definitely have you on it. We'll, we'll try to have- uh, Don't put me on with them. You don't want to be on with them? <laughs> no way. I, no, you just, you I just mean, want to talk about it with me. Okay? I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room, but I don't want to be the dumbest either. <laughs> I wanted to get you in there. I thought it would have been fun. But we, we don't have to. We can just, it can just be me and you. That's fine. Oh, uh, no. Uh, no it's, I'm, it's I'm so kidding. No, that, was, that, was, that was a stellar panel, though. I mean, whenever, uh, whenever you know, Pam, Frankie, Tom, or, uh, you know, uh, Anthony, whenever they talk, I, I, I shut my mouth. <laughs> They're fun to listen. You're all fun to listen to. I just, I, I enjoy it. I think it's so important that we have these conversations. And, and if you are watching, again, thank you for watching us. Share this so that everybody can have a chance to hear this and check out um, Jason Luttrell's podcast. We're going to stick this up on our Bourbon Blog, the audio that we just did on our Bourbon Blog podcast. So we'll uh, yeah, some more people to hear. Yeah, no, it's content spinning. I, I'm like, you know, like using one piece of content and making it valuable on, on several other different platforms. This is another thing that a lot of people Support. don't really understand. Like people don't consume the same content on the same platforms in the same way. So you have right. to spread it around a little bit. Uh, this yeah. is some Gary V stuff. Yeah. So if you're doing, so if you're, yeah, so if you're doing a video, put that audio up on a podcast. Probably if you're doing video and you just have video, nobody wants the silent movie, but they might. Somebody might just want to watch us. It could be. Well, you put the text on it so they can read it because like, that's right. That's there's right. a meaningful portion of people that, that watch videos, but they don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild out there. It's just like learning. Like I've been learning so much about this, like how how people consume media. And, and you know, who's also really good at this is Sean Sewell. 
Um, okay. And um, he does the same thing where he like restreams the things on multiple different platforms nice. and, and uses a similar tool as this. Uh, what is this? Streamyard. Streamyard. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's a like restream.io. There's a bunch of different ones. But um, nice. what I've been really interested lately is um, is automations. Like uh, in uh, there's so many different things that you can. I don't know how much time you have, but no, go ahead. Um, Tell us about the but, automations, please. Um, but like you can um, create one piece of content that goes uh, and you can chop it up with uh, editing into, you know, like this video. There, if there's something that you particularly liked, you could chop it up into a 15 second Instagram video, which also goes into like you can use that for Snapchat. You can chop it up a minute into Instagram TV. Um, and it's like it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's wow. never been more. It's never been easier um, with free online tools to um, you know, use content in, in more and more different ways. And again, like this has also led to a lot more noise, but, right. um, but, uh, but the thing is, is like, there's, you know, there's limitless amount of, uh, it also keeps you honest with the stuff that you put out right. because, you know, you want it to be good. If you're going to be asking somebody for a certain amount of their time, you want to make sure. sure that it's worth it for them. Um, so I appreciate you, uh, putting me on because and this is a lot, like, put, giving, giving, giving me this much air because, uh, you know, it's it, attention is the single biggest commodity that we have right now, especially when right. we're all sitting home in our, you know, smart uh, pajamas like yours. These are my smart pajamas. They, they work out pretty well, don't they? <laughs> I'm convinced that they are pajamas. I'm convinced that they are quarantine pajamas. But you woke up in that. They kind of have become that about seven o'clock my time every night. <laughs> yeah. I, I What, like, you know, it's like uh, people are like really disciplined. We were talking about routine for a second earlier and um and uh my routine has gone completely out the window i used to have this awesome routine that involved like the, my peloton in the morning like i had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to wake up right. before my 18 month old son um i would wake up at five i would do my my peloton i would do my stretches i would do wim hof method if you haven't heard of wim hof it's like wild stuff i've held my breath for up to three minutes before um and uh do my stretches and then get like slingshot into the day like have creative time where i'm like feeding my kid from seven to ten and nice. then he would go down for his nap and then i would crush through work and i would do like two hours of extremely focused work and that was and i felt satisfied at the end of the day and then i would play with my kid in the afternoon again and then um you know do work at night and that was my routine um but all that that's all gone <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole new routine right there's a new routine um, you held but, your breath for three minutes yeah it's uh it's a really it's called the wim hof method and it's this little dutch guy um uh, named wim hof and he uh has developed this method which is kind of based on a bunch of other old school methods and what he does is he um in addition to a bunch of uh exercises and stretching and, and um he uh effectively hyperventilates and so you breathe in very heavily many many times and then you exhale and then your exhale lasts longer and longer and longer as you do that cycle. And, um, and then that's typically and what you're doing is you're hyper infusing your body with a lot of oxygen and then you're using wow. it. And then, you, then when you're exhaled, your body kind of contracts all that and you get this like kind of tingly high sensation. Um, and, and, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that actually changes your core body temperature and allows wow. you to withstand a lot of kind of really extreme temperatures. So if you look at this guy, like he did a marathon in Death Valley, he swam in the Antarctic uh, without any additional equipment. 
And so it kind of makes you think about what our bodies are capable of because there's, uh, I think our circulatory system has enough wiring and plumbing to get to circle the globe. And so we have a lot of ways to distribute heat and cold, uh, but we've, you know, in the age of Gore-Tex um, and, you know, um, you know, in, in modern technology, we have just kind of not used our bodies for what they're completely capable of. And that's kind of the theory. I believe in it. Uh, I don't believe in crystals or astrology, but uh, I believe in that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's super interesting. Uh, but that was a really good element of my, of my routine because it, um, didn't take too long. It was free. I could do it in a hotel room. I didn't need anything. I mean, you know, don't need any weights or anything like that. And, uh, it was really effective. You can see the results immediately. That's and amazing. So, Wim Hof method. Check it out. Maybe, I'm going to have to look this up. Maybe, maybe next time we get you on here, we'll, we'll try holding our breath. We'll get everybody involved and see if they can. That, that should make for a really interesting show. Like a, like a real trip. Yeah, that should make for a really interesting show. Okay, now we're going to hold our breath for three minutes. Now we're going to do this. <laughs> one thing to hold whiskey in your mouth for a minute or two and get those flavors going on. Right? That's one thing I know about. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, no, that's just great, uh, Jason. What? So, and you've been you've been sipping what? What have you been drinking again? I've been drinking red miscellaneous wine. Uh, oh, red miscellaneous <laughs> wine. Yeah. Tell us if anybody, yeah. if, if you're still drinking anything down below, tell us what you're drinking i'm drinking i just grabbed the first thing i had back there i'm having a little uh stranahan snowflake from several years back so i'm oh you got a snowflake i got oh, a snow snap. okay no, that's like a humble brag floss right have you had have you had the, the you've had the snowflake haven't you i wasn't even able to have it at the distillery oh yeah come on so, man. yeah give this guy pour the snowflake yeah um, no no it's like it's a, that's a highly coveted bottle it's nice stuff. Well, I want it. Well, you're a lot of fun to chat with. I wanted something really good as I chatted with you. This was the one from uh, 2014, the Mount Beerstadt. I think it is. It's at some sort of a red wine barrel, I believe. But anyway, it's it's beautiful. I like the snowflakes. I like their I like their black and the yellow and black label are good too. But um, I like the story of the, of, of Stranahan's. Those guys are yeah. Those guys are great. It's a it's a great little distillery. It's right across the street from a dispensary. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no, it yeah. really is. It is. We spent a little. They had a, they do a, a a thing called the the Stave and Thief uh, Festival every year. We've been to yeah, a yeah. times and well, also yeah. I'm going to send you a little vial of the snowflake. That way you can have a well. Thank you. That's I appreciate that. Make <laughs> sure you can try some. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't had any for a while. I don't, don't, I don't just drink it every night. I mean, I just saw it. I'm like, well, I'll try some of that. Uh, it looked like it was signed. It looked like you're just actually it's just signed, trying to make us jealous. Uh, yeah. I just thought I would. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we can see right through you, Tom. We can, we know what's going on here. You don't have to fake it anymore. Just come clean. It's fine. It has to be. If it's a good conversation, it has to be good stuff. That's, that's what it's all about. I see someone there is drinking, uh, Dan Strombeck there is drinking, Pritchard's double barreled bourbon. That's good stuff as well. And um, I believe it's M. Staba is watching from Trinidad. So thanks to all who's thanks for all the rum from watching. Trinidad. Yeah, I bet they're drinking some good rum. They they just they just may be. Um, so this this is great. So we'll have you back, Jason. As as things progress, I'd love to have you back and chat with you a bit more about all that's happening in the world. And um, I'm just trying to keep track of what's happening around me. You know, restaurants oh. opening at a certain capacity in Indiana, Kentucky this week. Um, I, I, I think people are like, are, are forgetting to remember that like none of these business models are, are built on a, on a 50% capacity. Right. Um, you know, when I build bars, I look at, yeah. I, I, I do heat maps. And so I like, I, I look at the per table revenue per hour, 
per day of the week per season. And, um, you know, if all of that's cut in half, none of it, none of the calculus makes sense. So, um, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. This isn't going to be, you know, uh, a lot of places are still going to go out of business, even though they're, they're at full legal capacity. And also there's one thing that we're also not like, we're also having a hard time remembering is that we're still like an infected country. And right. even at 50%, like we're still, you know, infectious. So, it's still there, right? I mean, it's, yep. and it's, yeah. when it comes back, it's going to come back worse. And how do restaurants, if they're opening at 25 or 50% capacity, are they, are they trying to do something different in their business model, which will put them ahead? Or are they, I mean, I would double down on, on, uh, to go offerings and delivery offerings. Um, there's okay. been some rumblings in, um, in, uh, in Brooklyn specifically about the, um, about the restaurant owners getting together to make their own not-for-profit delivery system. Uh, and I think that there's, uh, I think that's a really interesting thing because if you look at Grubhub Seamless, they're, they have predatory fees. They'll charge you 20 to 30%, which is oftentimes the entire bottom line of, of a restaurant. It's like right. to go orders and delivery before COVID were a loss leader. They were basically a marketing expense but they were not making money like they did not they, they were not were allowed money. to no they weren't allowed to like factor in the packaging costs um and like all these crazy fees that that, that they were charging and it's you know, if you look at, you know, they're serving a lot of ads right now on TV, on, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter about how great they are and how they're connecting communities again, but they are making a ton of money on this. Uh, and you know, it's at the expense of these already struggling bars and restaurants. So the best thing you can do is to call them directly and say, Hey, listen, I'd, I'd love to be able to pick up. I know that's not possible for most people, but for, for a lot of people, um, and it's not, you know, it's not it's certainly not convenient, but, um, if they have their own delivery options, then the money stays with them. Okay. And, uh, you know, j you know, before you, you know, pick up the grub up seamless, see if they deliver themselves. You know? Right. That's, that's good advice. It's really good advice. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. And, and like I said to you earlier, I'm trying to keep track of state by state, what's happening. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if there's a place I was like. Where do I even go to find out state by state? Is there a place to go to find out what's happening? Uh, Google Maps is actually uh, reasonably current with that. Right. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, zooming out, our federal government still doesn't have a clue. So, right. um, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're giving like mixed messages and, and weird guidelines. One day they're saying that, that uh, we're, we're telling the governors what to do. The next day they're saying, well, if this is messed up, then blame the governor. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a strange, strange time, uh, you know, pick up the phone and call the restaurant if you want somebody to eat and maybe they can deliver for you. Um, otherwise vote, vote. Voting is very important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like regardless of what you believe in, like one way or another, like the one thing that we can, that we can depend right. on is a vote, right. uh, to some degree. I mean, like, you know, I'm sure some people are going to be like, well, you know, Trump just appointed his, his, his RNC friend to make sure that people that, that as a postmaster, so the mail-in votes are going to get tampered with, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I figured maybe that's not something we talk about on the bourbon. That's all right. No voting. I agree with you. The voting is so important. We gotta we gotta keep on voting and um, and make sure that we look forward to that too. That's definitely yeah. true. Hopefully, we can do it by mail by mail, so people don't. Have yes, to I hope so. risk risk their health to, oh, to, gosh, to do their really civic helpful. duty. Voting by mail has always been so important. The the ability to do that, uh, especially for those that can't get there, is so important. Yeah, especially um, you're based in Kentucky, right? You're in Louisville, right? Yeah, it, border of Indiana, Kentucky. I'm on the yeah, Indiana okay. side. Yeah. Oh, you're on the Indiana side? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the vote in Kentucky is extraordinarily important right now for senator. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, yes. I'm not going to 
I think people can probably gather where my feelings are. <laughs> I understand. It's good. It's it's good that you're out there spreading the good word, Jason. On all levels, uh, we really appreciate you and your expertise and all you do for the industry. And um, and these resources are so important. You mentioned a little bit earlier about resources that would help um, uh, if you're reusing, uh, you know, video, whether it's video, audio. What are the resources or the tools that you know the apps that you're really a big fan of that just help you whenever you're doing something on your podcast or video to to reuse those? Are there? Um, well, with my podcast, I use um, I use a host called Pod dot Co, uh, and that's right. just like a, it's a very. If you want a free version, you can go to Anchor uh, and you can you don't yep. need any special equipment. You can just uh, put it on your phone, um, and that that also distributes to all the major platforms, so people consume podcasts on like um, you know Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Co- Google Podcasts, and. Uh, uh, iTunes, obviously iTunes is the behemoth. Right. Uh, if you want to support a podcast, you leave a comment. Uh, that is the right. single biggest thing that you can do. Um, a lot of, a lot of them do a monetization model through Patreon, but it's all basically on the, on the honor system. Um, but yeah, that, that content can be spun out into like an audiogram. It's called an audiogram. And that you, that's where you take a 15 second clip of your, everything. Uh, and then you can turn that into a, uh, an animated GIF basically, and put that as a 15 second clip that goes onto your Instagram, Snapchat, uh, you know, TikTok, whatever it is. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know, if you're, if you do this for a living, uh, the, the I would recommend, uh, looking at virtual assistants. Okay. Um, so what I do is I record, um, I record a single show and then I have a very highly articulated workflow from that show. So I'll say, here are the files. And then there's 141 different steps that, that my virtual assistant goes through to um, master it, mix it, promote it, cut it up, uh, and send it out. And I'm about to start doing a lot more video. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, because right. uh, if it's not easy and if it's not fun to do, then you're not going to keep doing it. And um, the algorithms across all platforms reward consistency. So... Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just kind of playing the game with within the parameters uh, of your sanity. Um, but the value is, is you know, what I want people to do, and this is for my service and hospitality workers out there, is I want people to know me, I want people to trust me, and then when they can, I want them to hire me or buy my book or buy my services. Uh, and um, and the the this is uh, like a lot of marketers call this a funnel, but basically you know where you're kind of developing a, a customer journey so you're creating right. authority by um, by talking about the things that you know about and uh, it's a great opportunity for you to learn more about a topic so you can talk about it and you become an expert in something and then somebody says oh well if you need some if you need this particular expertise that's the person that you go to and so developing that kind of um, uh, notoriety is something that you can do authentically by yourself you know, you don't necessarily need somebody to point to you to say, um, I have deemed that person an expert. You don't need, um, you don't need MIT to say that person is extremely good at that. Right. You can say, I'm extremely good at this. And here's the proof by talking right. intelligently about what you know about. And, um, you know, and it, it, you know, it's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, the numbers it's, it's about the, the right people being able to find you based on what their specific interests are. So if you just, do the thing that is the that, that you do. If you become an expert at whatever it is that you are an expert in, then somebody will find it. And again, the riches are in niches. So if you get very, very specific about what it is that you like and that what it is that you do, um, like if you know, I'm talking about very specific. It's like you wouldn't right. say I'm a baker. 
you would say, I'm a sourdough baker. And you wouldn't even say I'm a sourdough baker. You would say, I'm a sourdough baker with, uh, that, that specializes in einkorn flour. Uh, you wow. know, uh, you know, you get very, very specific because that's that, how specific it gets. Yeah. Because if you look at that on YouTube, you'll still find several different hits, but, um, that information does become, uh, you know, a lot. Also, this is another really big thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is that, um, Google is the biggest search engine in the world, but you know, what is number two, YouTube. And you know, you know what number three is Amazon. So, um, you know, if you are Google, you have, YouTube, Amazon, Google, YouTube, Amazon, at least as far as my, my, my latest information wow. is, but, um, but they're, they're search engines. And so Amazon doesn't actually make a whole lot of stuff, but they sell a lot of stuff. And so if you have a product or a service, or if you have a product uh, that you want to get out in the world, then think of, uh, think of marketing in terms of what people are actually looking for. If you want to find out what people are actually looking for. Just start typing it into the Google bar one at a time, and it'll give you some suggested prompts. And those are what are people are actually looking for. So, um, you know, there's an army of people. There's a there's a small uh, there's a huge group of people out there that that make products and services that they have no interest in. That they have no interest in, and right. they they do it just to satisfy demand in the market. And they 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 identify this market, and then they then they go to Alibaba and find out a product that that fits that thing that need, right. and then they put it on Amazon and then sell it as at a markup. Oftentimes, never having touched the product that it is that they sell, and um, that's called drop shipping or, or uh, Amazon FSB. Right. Um, and so like, there's just like a, so many little hustles out there that, that people do really, really well at that don't uh, require a lot of like, they're not capital intensive that, you know, just take a little bit of knowledge. And so if you're able to identify the things that you need to learn and just kind of go down, go down the rabbit hole, cause what else are you going to do right now? If you're, if you're, um, you know, if you have one function, if you have, if your one function is to make drinks for people, then you got time right now. And right, so you have time. Go down, go down the rabbit hole and find out everything there is to know about this and, and get involved. Listen to those little kids that are saying, I made $100,000 last year doing this. Uh, don't necessarily <laughs> sign up for their courses uh, because the information is still free. You may have to string right. bits of information together. But um, a lot of times the people that say like, oh, I made a million dollars doing X, Y, or Z, they're trying to sell you on something, which is typically like a course or something. But, um, you know, some of those courses are good. Some of them are shit, but they're also, you know, it's money and all that information that they got to sell those courses or to achieve the success that they purport to have, have, have earned um, is from doing this Google searching. And, you know, they didn't go to uh, drop shipping school. They Googled it. And, um, you know, the, the barrier to entry is extremely low. You know, there's, you know, I, I, I we are not a lazy community. We are not a incompetent community. Um, you know, but this is a, this, we got a massive curveball. and we got zero time to adapt to it. And so this is how we adapt is by, um, by engaging our creativity to do things that are, you know, already there, you know, people have been doing business without talking to each other for 30 years. Without talking to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It just, we're just refining it now and doing it even more. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, once you can kind of get an understanding of all these tools that are out there, um, you start to notice some things uh, like these little videos um, that you, that you get served about a product on, on um, you know, for a drone or whatever it is on mm -hmm. Instagram. Uh, those are strung together with text and stock imagery. And a lot of them or somebody talking into a camera uh, that's on a tripod. And, um, and so those things are, um, they're just basically arbitrage. It's just arbitrage, and they're they're just 
identifying the things that the, the tools that they already have, packaging up, package, packaging them up, writing the words that are relevant to that particular product or service, and then selling it to you for for a higher price than they paid for it. And right. um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, if we're exchanging our time for money, then we will always be broke. And so, like, what we what we need to do is start developing things that are infinitely reproducible that we can sell again and again and again uh, without actually being involved in it. So that's where courses come into play. That's where um, you know uh, digital media comes into play. That's where blogging comes into play. Uh, and you know, there's you know, when people look up, like, if I find the same value in an article that was written seven years ago that it solves my problem today by reading it, then um, then it's still a valuable thing. And so you just right. have to write that article. You have to write that article once. And so, I mean, do you, like you track all your, you track all your, um, analytics and stuff, yep. right? Like you see what, what people are looking for. Do you, um, things you're, you're, they check out? Yeah. What's yeah. your, uh, what's your process of developing new content? Well, I do look at, uh, what people are, are, are searching for and what they've searched in the past, uh, that is interesting to them and, um, create more of that. But, uh, you know, we also look towards uh, trends in the future, you know, whether it's whiskey reviews or topics in the industry and and create that and also just what's you know we find interesting you know what we find interesting and and something that they can engage in what do you do with all those bottles that people just randomly send you without talking to you first (laughs) (laughs) you know it it varies typically there is some conversation beforehand but if there's not uh you know i do try to review those um and i also uh you know try to showcase them in some way so like in a punch (laughs) <laughs> you know, if that's happened. That that could happen. But I, try, <laughs> I do try nowadays to actually have that conversation before they do. But um, yeah. it, it all it all varies. You know, I remember I remember, I remember seeing this thing that Jenny Adams put up. She's just like, if you guys send me another bottle without talking to me first, like we're gonna have problems. Right. Like I will write I will write you up, and it and it'll be for that, not for the merits of your juice. But <laughs> no, that can happen. I mean, and obviously, uh, if it's something that's good, we want to make sure we, we spotlight it. But um, it is important. I think it's important for those brands reaching out to, you know, what, one thing I've often said is just, you know, I, I like getting emails from PR companies, but I also just like getting a phone call sometimes. I mean, if people just reach out to me directly, when PR people or, or brand people reach out to me directly, I've always said, you know, I just like hearing a voice. For me, that's, that's what works, you know, just yeah. to actually get the conversation started. There's a lot more to discern from a, from a, like a actual old school conversation. Yes. Than there is to, like the, and it's funny, like that's what I've learned about podcasts is that it's such an honest medium. Right. That, it is. Uh, like you can't really bullshit the voice. Like people can tell if you're lying. That's like right. You can, like even using your body language, you can kind of sell people on things like you can, right. um, you know, you know, influence the messaging, but, um, but the voice by itself is actually surprisingly honest. It it's is like one of, yeah. it's like one of our like very cerebral things from when we're, you know, 200,000 years old. And in the dark and everything, right? In the cave. Yeah. No, but I think it is important uh, to, to, you know, for me to hear that voice, to actually have someone call, to show that they care enough, not just to send a random email. Um, yeah. I mean, that's important. So hopefully people, after they hear this, will call me more. Um, not that they don't already, but I... Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, I like phone calls, but I like them to be scheduled. I don't like... Schedule's just- good. Schedule's good. So, like, I, I set up this. Uh, there's a there's a couple different things that you can do for that. Like, uh, there's Calendly. You've ever right. heard of this one? Yeah. There's so like there's pieces of software as a service that you can like t- connect with your uh, with your calendars, uh, like whether it's Google Calendar or Outlook Calendar or iPhone Calendar, whatever it is, um, and then it can show you available time slots for whatever you're available to be booked for. 
And so I use I use this like kind of off brand one called Harmonizely uh, because I got it for free as a as an app sumo deal. I'm not sure if you can see me anymore, but I uh, but I um, oops it. Yeah, no, thank you. There you are. Yeah, I can see. You. Oh yeah. All right. Wait a um, minute. I don't see your. I say hear your voice, but I don't see your face. Oh well, it's probably better off that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> what but, happened? Uh, Oh, Did we, we, we talked about being cavemen. Did it actually? Oh, there. I thought. I thought maybe me saying something about cavemen in the dark actually happened. No, it's, uh, yeah. I see you now. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? The world's playing a joke on us here. Uh, yeah. No, but it's like <laughs> I really like when people like to, you know schedule a time because it's like because like, like I have different times that I'm kind of more in tune to do different things. Like in right. the morning, I'm much more creative. In the afternoons, I'm much more like you know a little probably a little tired, more tired. Like I've, right. I've been with playing with a kid all day and. And, um, and, uh, like I much prefer to get my creative conversations out earlier. And then if it's just like a routine, like meeting or, or something like, first of all, it's, if it's pointless, I, I don't have the time. Um, you know, it's gotta have a meaning. It's gotta be, you know, we have to understand what we're going to be doing with that time. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, so I have a piece of software that, that, that schedules that stuff for me for like mentorship calls. It's booking.jlatrell.com and it'll give cool. you a bunch of different options and every one of those options I'm available for. And so you pick your time that is convenient for you and then it, and it populates my calendar so we don't have to go do the back and forth of like are you available at this time are you sure like when, when are you doing this just it, like, just, i love like, those i love this it's like such and a waste and of the time. company that you use is called booking no the, it's like i well the the company that i would love for people to get on is called app sumo app sumo is like an app entrepreneur's sumo. dream yeah it's a-p-p-s-u-m-o wow. and um and what it is is it's like basically i i look at it like it's a seed funding website and so what they do is like these tiny little developers they they go on to um they approach app sumo they fill out a form and uh they present their software as a service and they they market it and app sumo sends out an email and they put it on their website to do the seed funding round which is basically they give you a lifetime license to their software in exchange for like 40, 50 or 60 bucks basically. Uh, and you can use their software forever. And, um, and they use that money to improve the quality of their product. And so they, without having up any equity and, um, and it's just, it's been a, it's like my, my single biggest line item. Uh, and if you're an entrepreneur, um, you gotta be on AppSumo and I, I, I troll it. I look for it all the time. I love, I love AppSumo so much because a lot of the pieces of software that I use that for automation or for, um, or for just kind of systems or project management or, or operations or communication, um, are all based on these, uh, you know, small pieces of software that I paid 50 bucks for, but I would normally, you know, if you go on their websites right now, like they charge 50, 60, 70, a hundred bucks a month for them. And wow. so what I did was like, you know, our money as entrepreneurs went to them to kind of fund what their next level was or to get them ready for seed, seed funding or, or like, or, or the next round of VC or whatever it is. And, um, and it's awesome because I don't ever have to think about, I don't, you know, I, I must've bought 50, 60 pieces of software for them. But, you know, if I had to pay 50 bucks a month for each of those, but I still have their capability and not right. only that, but their improved capability. So I have like, I have this, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's funny. Like I have like the generic version, like <laughs> of everything. <laughs> so I have like this like zoom version and I have, I have like my podcast host version. I have my social media automation is from uh, a platform called social B, which, I, which I got uh, for 50 bucks that charges 50 bucks a month for. 
Um, and these are just brilliant pieces of software that, that didn't come out of like the these big companies that we associate with software like Intel right. or Intuit or or Microsoft. There's these tiny little developers that have one, two, or three like like people working in a garage 24 they're hours a day solving problems. Companies. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love stuff like that. I, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. And so like what I do is I apply a lot of that stuff to my client's business um, and say, you know, it's not necessarily in, in, in the interest of, of eliminating jobs as, as much as it is for um, freeing up headspace to, you know, grow your business and, and start, you know, thinking about how to level up. Those are those are helpful. So you, the AppSumo is the one you really like and the other one. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's I love your favorite. so much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's... That's cool. This is definitely, this is definitely very insightful. And everyone who's watching, I think they've a lot of great comments here. This means a lot to have you here, uh, Jason Latrell. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for, for listening, guys. No, Jesus. yeah, thanks for thanks for being with us. And like I said, we're going to put the audio up on the podcast. This will be up permanently on on all the places that you watched it, and uh, and definitely check out Jason Latrell, jlatrell.com the meat hospy and look for his podcast. It's everywhere podcasts are, right? Yeah, look up handsome beverage consultant on any podcast thing. <laughs> are, you, are you the top ranker on that one? No, I'm, I'm, I'm being silly, I'm being silly. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, uh, people, you know, that's why you do podcasts, you don't have a YouTube channel, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna search that on on YouTube and see if you pop up first. Oh, I'd be, I, I, I would be really thrilled to find out who who that actually was. We can try. <laughs> well, cheers, Jason. You guys, you guys, stay safe and well there in in, uh, in New York, and hopefully we'll be seeing you for a drink really soon, Jason. All right, Tom. Thank you so much for all the air, and to all your listeners, thank you so much for your attention. Uh, it's really that's like that, that's like the big currency right now is attention, and it you is, guys stuck it out, is. So thank and you. Great conversations and good drinks with great people like you. All right, thanks, Tom. Be well. Cheers, buddy. It's so good to see you again. Thank you for doing this. No problem.